Well, this morning we have a wonderful guest speaker. I realize it's probably been about four months since I've sat down and uh, not preached on a Sunday morning. And I'm excited. We have a wonderful associate pastor, our youth and family life pastor, Maddie. She's going to come and bring the word this morning. Good morning, everybody. I didn't know associate pastor was added to that list, but thank you. (laughs) You said it last time I preached too, so it's okay. All right, like Pastor said, I'm Pastor Maddie. I'm the youth pastor and the kids pastor. My mom, Miss Kathy, and my uncle are actually doing kids ministry today. So if you could tell them thank you and encourage them when church is over, I'm sure they would really appreciate it because they're back there doing my job right now so I can minister to you guys. All right, so if you've ever heard me preach, you know I like to focus on one little story or one little section of scripture and really nitpick it for everything that it's worth. So today we're going to do the same thing, and we're going to New Testament today in Acts chapter 28, the very beginning, verses 1 through 6. So in kids' church, I always ask our kids, like when we're doing the Bible story or whatever, I'll give them a book of the Bible, and I'll say, okay, Old Testament or New Testament. And they'll think about it, because if you ask any one of those kids back there, they can recite every single book of the Bible in order. That's something that I think is really important for them to do. So I tell them, okay, find this, and they'll look, get in their Bible, and they'll look. They'll say, New Testament. I said, okay, what's right before it? John, what's right after it? And they'll tell me. I encourage you to do the same thing. Does anyone know all the books of the Bible in order in here? All right. Well, I challenge you to learn them all. There's a lot of cool songs, too, that teach them. So if you're interested in doing that, ask one of the kids. They can sing the song for you. All right, Acts chapter 28. A lot of us might be familiar with this story, some maybe not. It said, Now when they had escaped, they then found out that the island was called Malta. And the natives showed us unusual kindness, for they kindled a fire and made us all welcome, because of the rain that was falling and because of the cold. But when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. So when the natives saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, No doubt this man is a murderer, whom those he escaped to see, yet justice does not allow to live. But he shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. However, they were expecting that he would swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But after they had looked for a long time and saw no harm come to him, they changed their minds and said that he was a god. God, thank you for your word that you're going to bring today. I pray that it would resonate in the hearts of everyone here. Thank you for the provision of bringing every soul here today. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, so did you know that your faith, like a coin, kind of has two sides? Your walk with God and your walk with God. But most of the time we spend in our journey of faith is on the time of our conversion, right after our conversion. Because that's the time when everything is so glamorous, right? You've just been saved. You're seeing others get saved. It's fun. It's exciting to see addicts set free. To see people who you know have been living in depression be joyful. To see miracles, signs, wonders. It's glamorous. But I'm so thankful that he chose to save me. Like, is anyone thankful that God chose to save you? He didn't have to. He didn't have to. If you were God, would you save some of the people who you've seen get saved? 
It's a good thing we're not God then. Some of us should still be a mess. We should still be stuck in whatever we've been stuck in. Some of us probably might even should be in prison. We don't know. But he came right in and saved me. If it had not been for him saving me, who knows where we would be? Who knows where you would be? Every once in a while, the redeemed of the Lord has to say something. How are people going to know if you never say so? How are they ever going to know that there's more to life, that there's this joy that can be found in life, that there's hope after death, that you don't have to stay depressed, you don't have to stay sick? How will the world ever know there's something better if you don't say anything? That's why we can't just say it in here. That's why it has to go out to your workplace, to your family, to the store, to the mall, to the restaurant. People need to know that he saved you and he can save them. Because God saved me from something, but he also saved me for something. He saved you for a purpose, for your destiny, for something greater than yourself, something that you didn't even know about. Because he saved me for, it'd be foolish to think that you can just not do it. That you can just not go through things. And the Bible doesn't say once you're saved, life is going to be great. Right? Like Pastor was saying, there's always going to be trouble. No matter your position, no matter your anointing, you will have trouble. And we don't like trouble. But in reality, trouble's a compliment. Nobody likes to hear that. Nobody likes to be in the middle of trouble, be in the middle of affliction, be in the middle of hardships. We don't like trouble. It's not fun. It's exhausting. But trouble is really God's greatest teacher. Because there are some things that you didn't even know about God until you got into trouble. See, God doesn't create the trouble, but he will allow the trouble because there are things that you need to know about him. There are things that you need to know about yourself that you would have never known until you got into trouble and were able to figure them out. Some things you didn't know about God until depression hit you, until losing your job hit you, until going through relationship troubles hit you. There are some things that you can only find out through trouble. But the devil is sneaky, and he wants you to just look at the trouble. He wants you to stay locked in and focused on that trouble. But God is always there to help. God is not next to the trouble, but he will navigate you through the trouble if you just keep your eyes on him while you are walking through it. God always has an exit strategy as long as your eyes are on him which is where a lot of the times we fall. We forget. We say, God, why are you making me go through this? Like Pastor said about Paul, why are you making me go through this? If you know someone who's sick, if you yourself are sick, why are you making me go through this? If you lost your job, if your finances are a disaster, if you're struggling with anxiety, God, why are you making me go through this? But God says, if you just keep your eyes on me and keep walking through it if you get taken out by trouble that means you went through it without your eyes fully on god 
Because the Bible doesn't say that God works some things together for our good. The Bible says that God works all things together for your good. See, God wants you to take, to take you from glory to glory. But between glory, there's valleys. That's just how it is. And you'll never know how high a mountain is without the depth of the valley below. You don't know the height of glory without the valley. David knew that. David said, though I walk through the shadow of the valley of death. But the key word there is walk. Not though I stay in the shadow of the valley and death. Though I walk through it. The devil hates, he hates it when you decide to walk through the trouble you're in. If you would just keep moving and keep moving, say, depression, I get you, I see you, but I got to keep moving because God's right here with me. God's got the exit over there. It might be a valley now, but I know the mountain is on the other side. You're not just going to stay in a valley the entire time. If you keep your eyes on God, and even though you get hit, but you just keep walking, even if it's an inch at a time, as long as you are still moving with your eyes on God, God will take care of you, and the trouble will fade away. But some of us are living in what God has called us to walk through. But God didn't put you here to be a victim the rest of your life. He didn't. If you can outlast the trouble, you'll live glory to glory. You say, why are you talking about trouble? Nobody likes trouble. Because we're talking about Paul today. And Paul knew trouble. He's a man who's familiar with great, great glory. But he also knows trouble. He's a man who would preach to thousands, who would see signs and wonders and miracles in like the shadows. But he knew great trouble. This is a man who was imprisoned how many times? Beaten, cast out. That's trouble. We think we have trouble? Imagine being Paul. If you're going to walk in great glory, you're going to have to pay the price with great trouble. Most of us want this great anointing, this great power of God, but it doesn't come on sale. It costs what it costs. You're not going to get a coupon, 30% off, the anointing of God. It's not going to happen. It costs what it costs. But something, sometimes the only thing preventing you from getting to another level with God is your unwillingness to pay the price. We want it. We say we want it. We raise our hands. We say, God, fill me. God, bless me. God, anoint me. But do we really want to pay the price of that? Because a lot of the times we don't want to be inconvenienced. I've seen so many times when I was at college or go to like revival services with my friends and people would go up to the evangelist or someone and they say, I want what you have. Lay your hands on me. I want what you have. And this one time this evangelist said he had the microphone and he said, I'll lay my hands on you. I'll pray for you. But are you willing to pay the price that I paid for it? Are you willing to go through everything I've been through? Are you willing to go through my parents getting divorced, my mom getting sick and dying, me losing my job, finances are horrible, my wife and I can't have a kid? Are you willing to go through that? If you are, then I'll be glad to pay, pray, pray for you. But the kid was like, I didn't know it was that. 
I thought you'd just lay your hands on me and I'll get what you got. That's not how it works. It's not on sale. It is what it, it costs what it costs. But when you fight through trouble, put the whole armor of God on. That's what the Bible says. Isn't it so cool that God lets us fight battles with his stuff? He doesn't have to do that for us. But it doesn't say it's the armor like God. It's not the armor by God, not the armor in God. It's the armor of God. So when you put it on, he will guarantee your victory. How do I know that? Because God has never been defeated. Look through the Bible. God has never been defeated. The devil has tried multiple, multiple times to take people of the faith out. But God always has the victory. Look at David. You don't think David could have been taken out by Goliath? Definitely. Moses, Paul, John, so many people in the Bible. And the number one person, Jesus. The devil tried to knock him out for three days, but he rose again and came back up. Because God has never been defeated and he never will be defeated. So if you go into battle, if you go into trouble with the armor of God on, God will guarantee your victory because he has never lost a battle. So you know what really upsets the devil? Is when you're going through something, you worship like you've already won it. You worship like God has already done it. God has already brought you through it. Because to the level of glory, God will do it. Irritate the devil by praising God when you're in the middle of something. You might have had the worst morning before you came in here. And the devil said, oh, I got him. I got him. They're going to sit there because they think, oh, man, my family dragged me to church. I'll just sit here. I'll look at the clock, go to lunch. But I'm checked out. I've had a bad day. I don't want to deal with it. Why not just praise more instead? Because the devil thinks he's got you right there. But when you lift your hands and you praise and you say, God, you already got me through it. I praise you for getting me through it. I praise you for already healing me of this. I praise you for already saving my family. I praise you for already giving me my job, for taking my finances, for getting me out of depression. So worship like it's already been won. Because it's fun to irritate the devil. It's fun. It's fun to put him in his place and say, no, no, no. You can't have me. God's got me. So Paul is not exempt from great trouble. Because to the level of there is glory, there will always be a level of trouble. And as long as you're not finished, there will always be a fight. That's why Paul could say, I have fought the good fight. Because that's what real anointing looks like. You're going to fight. And you're going to fight, and you're going to fight, and you're going to fight, and you're going to fight and fight and fight. And the day you run out of fight is the day you've run out of destiny. So the only reason that Paul could say that he fought the good fight, because he knew he was at the end of his life. He wouldn't have said that if he knew he still had work to do. You'll only be finished with the fight when you finish with your life. If you still got fight, if you still have trouble... God still has things to do with you. So here's Paul, and he's been through all this stuff. And now he's on a ship. He's preparing for his big moment of glory through God, so he also knows 
I got to prepare for a lot of trouble. And out of nowhere, he's on this ship, and he's shipwrecked. A storm comes out of nowhere. Have you ever been on your way somewhere, and everything's going great, and then a storm comes out of nowhere? If I was talking to my kids, they'd be like, yeah, I was driving in the car, and, you know, there's a thunderstorm. I don't mean a literal thunderstorm. Maybe. But things have been going good. You're great. And all of a sudden, you get hit with something out of nowhere. You get blindsided. And then we get stuck. So Paul, remember, he's preparing for trouble. He's, he's an old pro at this. He knows God's going to do something. The devil's going to try and stop it. I don't know how many times when pastors asked me to preach, I mean, there have been a few times, that the day before I'm going to preach, I get sick. I lose my voice. I have a fever. It's happened before. I know it's happened to Pastor too because he told me, I was so sick this morning. But you get up here, you say, thank you, God, for healing me so I can preach. But then the second I get in my car... But the devil couldn't win because God had a plan. God had a purpose. That's why in the morning when you're getting up for church and you say, man, I'm tired. I didn't sleep last night. My throat hurts. Don't let the devil do that to you. Don't let that storm come in and knock you off course from where you're supposed to be. So out of nowhere, Paul's shipwrecked. Things are going good. And here comes a storm. It said it destroyed the ship. Nothing was left. But Paul clung to what he had, a little piece of the ship, and he rode it all the way to shore. He made it. Have you ever just made it? Just barely got through something? Like, you can look at some people, and some people have died or been defeated in the stuff that you went through, but you just made it. There was a piece of the ship that you found, and you said, God, I might only have a little praise. I might only have a little prayer, but that's all I got to hang on to, and I know you're going to take me all the way to shore. Because a little piece of God can do a whole lot in the middle of the storm. So hang on. Even if everything is broken, find the little piece and ride it in because God will protect you. So Paul gets to shore on this little piece of the ship. And he's greeted by a fire that he didn't even build. So after the ship, after the shipwreck, after this trouble, Paul is greeted by the provision of God. Is anyone thankful for the provision of God? The stuff that you don't deserve, that you don't get on your own, but God still gives you anyway? You think, well, what is the provision of God? What did God give me this morning? Well, he woke you up. You got clothes on your back. You, got, you were able to drive to church in your car. That last breath you took right now, provision of God. The one you just took again, the provision of God. God is keeping you alive. He's keeping you breathing. The stuff that we don't even deserve, but God still gives to us. But you know that sometimes God's going to use a problem to show you his provision. Sometimes God runs out of 
God's like, I can't get your attention. What can I do to get your attention? I've done this, 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 but you're not responding. So sometimes he'll bring in affliction because the, ref- the affliction will show you his provision. Sometimes you got to run out of what you have to figure out that he's your source. Sometimes you got to get to rock bottom to find out that God is the only one that's sustaining you. Everything you have is the provision of God. Your future is the provision of God. And the sad thing is that he works so good, but most of the time he gets so little credit, such little praise. We come to church and we're tired. We come to church and it's just a thing you do every Sunday. Wednesday night comes and uh, I got to get up in the morning. I don't want to drive to church. God is keeping you alive. The least you can do is come to his house and praise him. A little bit of praise goes a long way. We expect God to do everything for us, but we do so little for him. That's what I tell my kids all the time. I say, well, well, how do I, why doesn't God do this for me? Why doesn't God do that for me? I said, you guys all have best friends, right? I said, yeah. I said, you spend time with your friends? Uh-huh. You talk to your friends? Yeah, of course. What if your friends stopped talking to you? And then they asked you for something. Would you do it? Or would you say, really, you haven't talked to me in a week? You haven't even looked at me? And now you're asking me to do something for you? Sometimes we got to put it in our world because we don't understand. Well, God's done everything. The least we can do is give him some praise. Spend some time in prayer. Don't just go about your day. I tell my kids all the time that if they're going through something, they're like, well, I just, my mind is always going. I think of so much. I get anxious. And I said, you know what? Do the ABCs. They're like, what? I said, you start with A. You say, thank you, God, for apples. Thank you, God, for balloons. Thank you, God, for cats. Thank you, God, for dogs. I said, by the time you get to Z, what you were worried about is going to be so far gone because you just spent 26 letters thanking God for little things. So next time your mind is going, try that. It's simple, but it works because your mind can't think two things at once. So all the way through that alphabet, your mind is focusing on God. And I told them, they're like, well, that doesn't take too long. I said, well, then pick a theme. Think of all the animals that start with letters. Then think of all the foods. Think of all the countries. Think of all the places. Pretty soon you'll realize everything you were worried about is gone. Just from a simple little thing like that. And that's all under the provision of God. So the first step is provision. That's God's step. But then the text says that Paul is seen gathering sticks. God provided it. He provided the fire. But it was Paul's responsibility to maintain the fire. So God says, I'll give it to you. But you're the one responsible to keep up with what you got. That's why every church service matters. That's why every Wednesday night church service matters. Because you have to make sure you're gathering every stick that you can to make sure that that fire stays burning. 
So keep grabbing sticks and putting them on the fire. You say, what does that look like? That means during worship, you see someone raising their hand. Maybe they're not raising your, their hand. Maybe they're grabbing a stick to throw on that fire because they've had a rough week and their fire is starting to go down. And they say, God, I'm worshiping, I'm praising. Let me grab a stick and throw it on the fire. Grab a stick and throw it on the fire. If you can keep putting sticks on the fire, you can keep the fire burning. Because what happens to a fire if there's no sticks? It goes out. When you're sitting here listening to the word, listening to a prayer, maybe some lyric resonates with you, grab it and put it on the fire. When you have someone pray for you, when you pray for someone, grab the stick and put it on the fire. If you lose your fire, it's not because of a lack of God's provision, but a lack of your maintenance of it. So the next time that you turn your head at someone praising and shouting during worship, they're just getting sticks. Maybe you're not the one maintaining it. Maybe you should be joining them. You don't know what has been done to someone's fire. Maybe yours is burning bright, but you don't know about them. If you know someone is struggling, why not be the person that offers them a stick? That's what we're supposed to do, right? Build each other up, keep each other's fires burning. So before you, but before you blame others for diminishing your fire, please make sure that you've grabbed every stick you could find. A lot of people are so quick to blame pastors, to blame worship teams, to blame a lack of this, a lack of that. But in reality, you didn't do your job of maintaining the fire that God gave you. So right in the middle of Paul gathering sticks, as he gathers what he needs, he gets something he doesn't want. Every time you start to get radical for God, while God wants you to grab the sticks, the devil wants you to grab the snake. So every time you get something that you need, most of the time you're going to get something that you didn't want. So if you've ever seen me run out of here, like on a Sunday right after church, I work at a sheep dog training facility, so we have a bunch of sheep. Well, a couple weeks ago, my boss and I bought 12 new sheep, and I was talking to this guy. We had him driven down from North Florida, and we explicitly said, we do not want any pregnant sheep. He said, yeah, 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 no, no, none of them are, none of them are. We get these 12 sheep dropped off. Found out a couple days later that one is blind. So now I have 11 sheep that are, you know, healthy. And then three days later, get to the farm, there's a lamb. I'm like, okay, maybe, maybe, you know, one got mixed in with the other ones. That's fine, that's fine. Three days after that, there's another one. He texted me this morning, we're at number four. Out of 12 sheep, we've had four that have had lambs and probably three more. I said, well, they're lambs. They're cute. It's not something that we wanted. If you've ever been around lambs or any livestock of any kind, they are frail. They are hard to take care of. They're susceptible to disease. It's a ton of extra work on top of everything we already have to do. I'll work my job at the school. I teach kids with autism from 9 to 4.30, whenever their last bus comes. And then a couple days a week, I go straight to the farm to feed the sheep. Or a couple of days of the week, you know, I'll come here on a Wednesday to minister to the kids and the youth. 
it's hard to take care of lambs. We have to keep them in separate areas. The moms are brand new. One tried, one jumped over the fence. And my sister Jennifer has the lamb like this, and she's trying to back up to get the mom to come, and the mom didn't care. It's exhausting. So we got something we needed because we needed new sheep. But we also got four things, maybe seven things, that we didn't really want. Are they bad? No. Is it an inconvenience? Yes. So I got something that I didn't need. But sometimes while you're gathering things, you're gathering the sticks that you need, you're always going to get a snake. Even Jesus, he gathered 12, and he got Judas, the snake. Always be aware that when you're gathering sticks, that you don't get a snake. And that's when discernment comes in. How do you know which is which? Get it around the fire and you'll find out. So if you met someone new, if you got a new friend, and you want to know, you're not sure, are they a snake or are they a stick? Remember, you want to hang out with people that build you up, that keep the fire going. If you want to know if there's a snake, bring them to a Holy Ghost, Pentecostal, fire-filled Sunday morning. And if they're sitting next to you and they start squirming, then they're probably a snake. Your purpose is too great to be spending your time with snakes. You need to get some sticks in your life that will ignite your fire and keep it going. So here's Paul, and he brings the sticks into the light and finds something that doesn't belong. Because you will always find when something doesn't belong in your life by bringing it around the fire. So Paul's got these sticks, all these sticks that he's been collecting because he knew that God provided the fire, but it was his job to keep it going. As Paul brings the sticks closer, the snake starts to get nervous. The snake responds to the heat. That's what the Bible says. It said when it got close to the heat, not the flicker of the flame. Because you might just have a little flicker, but a flicker doesn't have a lot of heat. It's when the snake got close to this all-consuming fire in the heat that he got nervous. And when the snake got close and into that fire, into the heat of God, the snake bit Paul. Because this is where you got to be thankful for not only the provision of God, but you got to be just as thankful for the protection of God. How many things has God protected you from that you didn't even know about? How many times have you gone to work or driven to work or driven somewhere, and then five minutes later on your way home or later in the afternoon on your way home, you see that there was a horrible car wreck that happened like two minutes after you drove by? How many things has God protected you from that you knew about? Probably an infinite number. But in the same respect, how many things has God protected you from that you didn't know about? Like Pastor was saying, if God says no, God says no for a reason. Maybe if he, he would have said yes, you would have been right into some trouble. Maybe some deadly trouble. But the Bible says that no weapon formed against you shall be able to prosper because you have the blood of Jesus on your life. Is there anyone that is thankful for the blood of Jesus on your life? Why don't you take about 10 seconds and thank Jesus?
Paul got bit. But how is getting bit protection? Yeah, God let the, bite, the viper bite him, but he didn't let the venom kill him. Sometimes when trouble hits, you might get bit, you might get hit, you might get knocked down, but even though you fell, God's protection won't let it get your spirit. So the people that I love that come to church are the people that are walking in these doors and they got a viper hanging from their wrist, but they're still the one that has their, their hands raised the highest in worship. They're the one that's praying. They're the one that's here every single week, every time the doors are open. They are here with joy, with the snake attached to them. Those are the people that are impressive to me. The people who have been through stuff and are still going through stuff, but they are still here praising God with all that they've got because they are under the protection of God. They might have the snake, but the venom is not getting to them. So it's one thing for you to go through something in private. It's one thing for Paul to go through something in private. But he was bitten public. And not just bit in public, he was bit in front of native people, barbarians. Sometimes God will put your pain on a platform. You get hit with something, and everyone has to see you go through it. So what do you do when God puts your pain out in public? You have to know that maybe it went public because your trouble isn't about you. Every time you go through something that God doesn't hide from people, it's because somebody's watching to see how you respond to that bite of the devil. If it is someone who has never seen God, like these native people that Paul was dealing with, they didn't know about God. They probably had their own gods that they worshiped, but they didn't know about God. So are they going to believe Paul when he said, oh, God will protect me? Who? people that you encounter, they don't see God like you do. They don't see your faith like you do. The only thing that they can see is you and your trouble. So are you running from the trouble that God has allowed to produce the next piece of glory in your life? Are you running from it because it's public? Because you want to hide away and not let others see you going through something? You don't want to tarnish your image? Like you sit here in church and you're praying. You're here all the time. You're always at church. You go to connect group. You, go to, you do evangelism things. So everyone thinks you have this perfect relationship. And then when trouble hits and it's public, you hide because you don't want others to see that you can also go through things too. But Paul didn't try to hide it. Yes, God provided. Yes, God protected. But all of it was so that he could show that there is perseverance with God. So he's sitting here and he's throwing sticks on the fire. All the while, he's got a snake hanging from his wrist. And these barbarians are thinking, all right, well, he's definitely going to die now. The snake bit him. Sometimes you have to come to church and say, it doesn't make sense. But I'm going to trust him, and I am going to continue serving the Lord. I will come to church with the snake, but I will still raise my hands. I'll come to church, but I'll still serve. I'll come to church, but I'll still serve with the kids. There's a little plug, because we always need help in kids' ministry. So Paul is doing what he's called to do, even with 
a viper attached to him. But the good thing about God is that there always comes a season where God says, okay, you've endured, you've done it, you've walked through it, because sorrow may last for a night, but what comes in the morning? Joy comes in the morning. There's always a season where, where God will say that that trouble's come to an end. Because all your trouble comes with an expiration date. Remember, God doesn't want you to be a victim your entire life. God's got plans for you. How can you do those things if you're stuck being a victim? So what, what the devil puts you through, what God allows, what God will see you through, it's got an expiration date on it. It's not forever. So Paul has endured He's fulfilled the assignment. He was shipwrecked. Everyone else got destroyed, but he made it in a little piece of board. Then he comes and he's on this island with natives who built him a fire. And they say, oh, well, you built it, but I have to maintain it. So he goes to get sticks and gets a snake. Then he gets bit by the snake. A venomous snake would have killed anybody, but he has the protection of God. He's fulfilled that assignment. Since his trouble was public... You better believe his victory was public too. So God said, all right, Paul. Here it is. Shake it off. It's time to shake the snake right off. And when Paul shook that snake off, God embarrassed the devil right on his own ground. The devil said, aha, he's got the snake. I bit him. I got him now. But God said, no, 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 no. Paul is under my protection. And I don't go undefeated. In fact... I'm going to embarrass you with the very thing that you sent to destroy him. And he shook it on the ground. God's provision, God's protection, Paul's perseverance, that results in a change of perspective. So as the barbarians, all these natives were watching, they said, well, he got bit. Now he's going to die. Because that's what happens when you get bit by a viper, right? You get bit, you die. Have people ever said that about you? So you're not going to make it out of this one. This is too much. There's no way you can come out of this on the other side. But they didn't see God working it all together for your good. The Bible says that when they saw Paul shake the snake, they changed their mind. Maybe that's how God is going to save your family. By using your trouble. And by the time it's finished, they are going to change their minds about God. When they see that you didn't quit, when they see what you've endured, when they see that you kept walking through the valley and not stopping, when they see you didn't turn your back on God, they'll say, surely their God must be real. What if the reason that this church starts to grow is because of people being witness to your trouble and seeing God see you through it. Is your trouble someone else's transformation? So the next time you're going through something, think about what God's going to do through you to someone to change their perspective, to make them see that there is a God. And the only way that you would have got through this is with God. So if God can do it for you, he can do it for them. My last point is that I thought all this was done, the protection of God, provision of God. Paul persevered with God. Their perspectives were changed. 
That's it. That's the whole story. But there's one piece that God overlooked that is the most important part of this whole story. That was in the background the entire time, but was really the center of it all, the fire. So the scene of this whole thing was Paul's trouble, but it happened all around the fire. See, we try to solve everything outside of the fire, but if you want change, the fire of God has to be at the very center of your spirit. And for some of you in here, it's been a long time since you've really had the fire of God touch your life. I'm not talking about just a goosebump. I'm talking about old school, holy roller, fire of God in your life that you can feel to your very core that changes things, that changes minds, that changes your body, that changes the way you worship. So are you going to rekindle your fire today? Has your fire gotten a little dim? Have you picked up too many snakes instead of sticks? Have you been lacking in the maintenance department of the fire that God provided for you? Because remember, he'll provide it but you have to keep it going. So as you stand this morning, my prayer for you is this. Think about the price. Think about the price that God paid for you, that God provided you with the fire free of charge. We don't deserve it. We didn't deserve for God to give it to us, but he did because he loves us so much. All he asks is that we keep it going. So think about the relationships that you have in your life. Think about the decisions you've made. While you were reaching for sticks, did you pick up any snakes in the process? Are you holding on to those snakes? Or is it time to shake them off? God says the trouble you've been going through is over. The expiration date is today. So it is time to shake the snake. Shake the snake off your wrist. But while you're doing it, continue to praise him. Shake the snake off with one hand and grab some sticks with the other and throw them in. Build up the fire. If you want today, say, God, I need you to build up that fire. It's been dim. I need a new fire. I want it to be blazing. I want it to be the center of my life. I want your Holy Spirit to come and fill me, overfill me, like you never have before. If that's you, I want you to come to this altar right now. But before me and Pastor pray for you, think about the price of it. To keep it going, you got to grab the sticks. It's not something that you can just leave to go unattended. You have to keep it going. That means your prayer life needs to change. Your worship needs to change. Your mind needs to change. Your attitude when you're fighting battles needs to change. So if that's you and you say, God, I want you to fill me. Before we lay hands on you, you need to make the decision yourself. 
you need to ask God to fill you. You need to say, Holy Spirit, come fill me like you never have before. Thank you for the provision of the fire. Thank you for giving it to me when I don't even deserve it. So God, right now I'm going to reach up and take the sticks. God, give me all the sticks that you have and fill me to the very core. Not some little flicker. We want full-blown, all-consuming fire of the Holy Ghost this morning. So take about 10 seconds and you ask God right now. You make the decision. And then we will come and pray with you. There are some of you, you've been bit, and you're still hanging on to the fact that you've been bit. You've just been bit. The poison's not in you. Hear me, you've been bit, but the poison's not in you. I need to hear it again. You've been bit. Listen, don't allow the enemy and keep thinking you've got poison and poison. Listen, God is for you and not against you. He brings the healing life of Jesus. Listen, I feel like there's some in here this morning, I believe the Lord's saying, there are some you've been bit and you are still really hurt over the fact that you've been bit. Listen, I want you to look. All of us have been bit. Anyone else been here have been bit? Listen, but you will not die. Turn to someone next to you and say, you're not going to die. Listen, you're not going to die. You're not going to die. Now, now listen, the other word that I felt the Lord gave as we did that is this, priority. Some of your fire is going dim because you don't have a priority for the fire. Everything else is becoming a priority. Listen, the enemy will bring everything in your life. He'll keep you busy with your business. He'll keep you busy with your work. He'll get you busy with your family. He'll get you busy with everything else. And listen, the Lord's been speaking this for a while. Priority. Is your priority the fire or is your priority everything else? And listen, there's some of you watching now, your priority has been everything else. As a matter of fact, that's why you're home today. You're not here. You're there because your priorities are wrong. Build the fire. Build the fire. Come on, lift your hands in this place. Father God, I pray right now for those that have been bit. I thank you for the healing power of God. 
Lord, we stand together. Lord, there are people that are watching what we're going to do with the fact we've been bit. But we thank you like Paul, we will shake it off. Lord, not shake it off because it's the thing that we just do when we move on with a stiff upper lip. We shake it off because we refuse to allow the enemy to stay attached to us. We will not allow the poison to fill our bodies or our spirit or our mind. And I thank you, Lord God, that we choose. He whom the Son sets free is free indeed. We come against every bite of the enemy, and we thank you that even though the fangs were there, I thank you that the healing is greater than the bite. Lord, I pray for those that need to make it a priority. There are those where everything else has become priority. We want to see the fire go. But like Maddie preached, we're called to maintain. I pray right now, Lord, there were people who made excuses. They had a house to build. They had a, a wife and a, they got married. They had to do it. They got a new thing. They got lambs that they had to go attend to. But I thank you, God, right now you've called us to make you the priority. Lord, so we do that this morning. If he's your priority, just lift your hands in this place. Lord, come and fill us in this place. Come and fill each life with the fullness of the Holy Ghost. Lord, let your glory come and rest on each one in Jesus' name. We will look past the pain, past the hurt, past the bite, and Lord, we will seek you and you alone. Today we determine a new season in harvest, a new season in our life. You are our priority. Not everything else that's going on will make you the first place every day and in everything. Well, Lord, I thank you for those that are here this morning. There's a fresh fire of the Holy Ghost. Lord, I thank you for that fresh fire in the name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you, Lord God, for filling to the full. Filling to the full. Filling to the absolute fullest. I thank you that you know the plans you have for us. I thank you, Lord God, for the fire of the Holy Ghost. Lord, burning brighter than ever before in the name of Jesus. It's burned bright in the past, but now the fire is being stoked for your glory. And we'll give you glory for doing that work. Come on, if you want to give him glory, just lift your hands for a minute. Thank him. Thank him. Give him praise in the house of God, for he is good. He is faithful. Well, listen, God is good. If you've been blessed by Pastor Maddie, would you just let her know that you love her this morning? Good word. It's good to turn her away from the lambs every once in a while and bring her to the adults, right? Praise the Lord. But, you know, on Wednesday, get back to the lambs. All right. Well, listen, the Lord bless you. May you be encouraged today. May you have a marvelous week. And may you put him first. We'll see you Wednesday night. Listen, again, Wednesday night, 7 o'clock. I don't know if you know. We're here. Be good to see you. God bless you. We'll see you on Wednesday.